This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. We're going to read Genesis, uh, let's go to Revelation chapter number one uh, first, and um, I'm going to read. Um, the Lord just kind of laid this scripture on my heart while, um, right before offering time today. So you just want to have to bear with me as I uh, follow, follow after the leading of the Lord here today. Um, so let's, let's go to, um, where do I want to start? Verse number, um, verse number 12, Revelations 1.12. And then Raphael will go to Genesis 1, okay? Um, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one, like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with the golden girdle. Verse number 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice, everybody say his voice, his voice as the sound. Of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Many of us will remember, I am Alpha and I am Omega. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He plugs an amen in there because it says, what does amen mean? Let it be so. And have the keys of hell and death. In verse number 19, I have underlined in my Bible says, write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The Lord tells him to write his testimonies down of what's going to happen in your life. You can sit down, and and we're going to go to Genesis chapter number 1. We're going to read just a couple verses of Scripture. And uh, let's start at verse number one. That always sounds good when you start in Genesis. In the beginning, God, God created the heaven and the earth. Amen. Space, time, and matter came in at the same point in verse number one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And we find 
In chapter number one of Genesis, God begins to create. Somebody say create. God has the ability, and it is not uh, by any stretch of the imagination um, limited to what we see or what we have seen. But I believe God wants to create something new every day. He wants to make something new every day. And we find in Genesis chapter number 1 that God does both those things. He creates and He makes. Somebody say He creates and He makes. There's a story that just happened today of a man, French man, Frenchman, I said French man, Frenchman. Brother Raphael is going to show this picture if, he, if it can load up here. I sent that to him during service. So, this man, this happened this morning. Everybody say this morning. This is St. Margaret's Bay in the United Kingdom. A French daredevil who spent years developing a jet powered hoverboard zoomed across the English Channel this morning. He fulfilled this quest after pulling off a tricky refueling maneuver that cut short his first attempt 10 days ago. But Frankie Zapata blasted off on his flyboard. Everybody say flyboard. It's a flyboard, isn't it? It is said that this man could go 500 feet in the air on this flyboard. And he has about a 35-pound jetpack on the back of his, on his shoulders. But he took a 22-mile trip this morning on a flyboard. Now, how many would like to get on that flyboard? Okay, you got one, two, three, four, five. They, he said it was very difficult. In fact, the first time that he tried to attempt this flyboard uh, at his garage when he was building it, that his, uh, it got out of control and his fingers got caught in the turbine and took them right off. But that didn't stop him from trying to fly flyboard. We find that the French military invested $1.4 million into this project to try to get this man to come up with a place and a way to fly because the military thinks this would be a pretty cool kind of thing to be able to do for either recon or whatever they want to do with it. But he got up this morning with the idea of flying that says that he can go 87 miles an hour on this flyboard at 500 feet in the air. Now, does that sound like fun or what? He said that by the time he was about halfway through that flight, his legs were on fire. It was hurting so bad to try to hold that jetpack and that hoverboard steady as he flew across St. Margaret's Bay. He was escorted by three helicopters. He was escorted also by many boats that if he did crash, they would be able to get him back to safety very quickly. Um, he got off, he got off that, uh, uh, off that, he actually got, just fell right into the water because the landing is not very good right now. He just went into the water and then after he came off that water, came out of the water, he said, I have achieved a dream of mine. Back in 2006, he attempted the same thing, and it did not go as well. Ten days ago, 
it did not go well. But he worked for 15 to 16 hours a day to rebuild the faulty devices on there to get that place, get to the place that he could go across the channel this morning. He acknowledged that for now the hoverboard isn't ready for military use, not least because of the noise that it makes right now and the amount of energy that it takes to fly just 22 miles. If a military man would get on this hoverboard, he would be exhausted by the time he got very far. And just to hook up to the device, and it's actually 77 pounds on his back and below his feet. The, the attempt to try to get across any, anything and, and then try to figure out a parachute thing if he needed to drop in someplace quietly. And all these things, all these factors. But his dream of flying across the channel was achieved. This is the man that had made something that seems in the past far-fetched. In 15 to 20 years, who knows what he will be able to make. There is a difference between making something and creating something. Somebody say amen. This man, many people in the article will say he created a flying machine, a hoverboard. But in reality, and really if we look at the English language, that he did not really create. He made something from something else. And what he made is what God created. What he made out of this hoverboard or this flyboard was something out of materials that God had created. There's a difference between creating and making. And God did both of those in Scripture. We find that God said in the beginning, He created the heaven and the earth. The Bible says, He said, And that let there be light, and there was light. And He called the day light, or it's called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And on the third day, verse number nine, it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, everybody say one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. It goes on to say in verse number 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass. We find there was a shift in something uh, that God had created. God said, come create the heavens and the earth, but then he called for the earth to make something. He transformed his creative ability and called for his creation to bring forth. I say amen. So God is a creator, but also he is a maker. He can make things just as much as he can create things. So when he said, I create the heavens and the earth, he created the earth to bring forth something. He created the earth in such a way that it could bring forth life. And we find that, well, let's just read it. Verse number 11, and let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed. Now, he could have said, grass, come forth. Or grass, well, let there be grass. And there would have been grass. But he didn't do that, did he? He said, earth, whom I created, bring forth grass. That makes him a maker of things. He took his creative, created uh, earth and made and called for that to make something. We find that even Lazarus, God didn't create 
he created Lazarus, but yet when he called him to come forth, he made his creation come back to life. He made life come back. He called and said, Lazarus, come forth. In other words, he called the earth to, to return back to life. That's what he did with Lazarus. He called that earth and vessel to bring life once again. Bible says, and let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so when the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself. You get that? The tree, the seed of that tree was in itself. And where did that tree come from? It come from the creative hand of God. So what God created began to make things. Seed was in itself after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the, were the third day. Now, let me just give you an example here. If, uh, if you take a, a plant... And um, the plant wants to say, I no longer want to be a part of this earth. And that plant says, dirt, I do not want to be attached to you anymore. And that plant somehow plucks itself from the earth. What will happen to that, that plant? If you go over here to Lowe's and, and every plant that I see over there that is alive is in some kind of dirt and soil. If you take that tree and you take that plant and you unearth that out of that soil, what happens to that tree? Dies. When I was uh, redoing some landscaping in the front of our house a couple weeks ago, and I had uh, a, a young uh, a man and a, a woman that were helping with uh, doing some work at our house, and, and um, I was tearing up these shrubs that... Uh, um, I don't know why my wife does this to me, but every few years she wants to change the landscaping, and I measure how much back problems I'm going to have for the next three days. And but finally, I got out there with the shovel and I began to pluck up the the trees. And and one of the, the lady that was working with her husband there, and she says, "What are you going to do with those trees?" And I said, "Well, I said I, I really thought about it." She said, "Can I have them?" I said, "Sure, you can have them." So I had that tree out of the ground, and then. Immediately, she said, well, let's put it in some shade. Let's keep the dirt around that tree because she was going to be there for, for the majority of the day. And, uh, and she said, so let's, let's make sure there's enough dirt on it because if you detach that tree from its soil too long, the leaves would turn brown and it would die. The Lord made trees come from the soil. And without the soil, the trees and the greens, greens or the grass would die. Let's read on. Verse number 20, um, 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and all the over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own Somebody say it. Image. God created man in his likeness and in his image. Somebody say he created him. Then he formed man from where? The dust of the ground. God began to say, you know what? I'm going to create man, but I'm going to form him. There's two things that happen. God breathed into him and made him a living soul, but he created him and made him from the ground. 
Somebody say amen. So there are two things that will sustain you. When you eat, you are being sustained from the dirt whom God created and made. Right? You eat of the soil and of the things of this world that sustain your body. And when your body dies, where does your body go? Right back to the earth. The Bible says ashes to ashes, dust. You, your, earth, your body will return to the earth. But the portion that God has created, that God created in you, not made, he created you and made you a living soul. So what he created, he created in you uh, uh, something that needs to be returned unto him. There's two things there. When your body is detached from this earth, it dies. You stop eating for a while and stop drinking, you're going to, you're going to die. But what happens with your spirit? When you become detached to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, your spiritual body dies. Spiritual body, your spiritual life begins to decay. It begins to die. We find that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they sinned. They sinned. They fell short of God. They fell short. So the Lord says, you shall surely die. Not talking about their flesh. Their spirit began, began to die and not long after that, their body began to decay and die. Find that in this scripture, and in this, this, this is a very important factor in our walk with God. To understand that if we begin and continue to become detached to the presence of the Lord, we will die. You will die not only a spiritual death, but you're dying a physical death. You will die in a place of sorrow. There are many people that are t playing tug-of-war with the spiritual uh, aspect of living for the Lord. Your body wants to be stay connected to the worldly things, but your spiritual man wants to be a part of his kingdom. So there is a war that's going on between your body and your spirit. Our body longs for the things of this world. Our body longs to be seen, longs to be to be a part, longs to have nice things, longs to be longs to be a part of, of being seen, of being a part and, and having things and desiring things. But then the, the spirit wants to be a part of the Lord, and we become this tug of war. This becomes this war between the flesh and the spirit. But I want to speak to you today for the next few more minutes on this title and this subject is when your will aligns with his greatest desire. When your will aligns with his desire. I won't be much longer today because I feel this is going to wrap up pretty quickly today. Let me just tell you this, that when God made man, he made man in his image. He made man with a desire, with desires and, and emotions and, and, and pain and sorrows. He, he gave us all these emotions and all these things that we go through. And he made them in his image. He made us in his image. We find that 
Adam, when he was walking along the earth and he was naming all the animals and talking about this and that's a that, that, that's, that's going to be a tiger and that's going to be a bear and, and that's going to be a fly and that's going to be a bumblebee and you just, we should have just eliminated the bumblebees altogether and or something like that, just, you know, we don't want any of those. But he began to name all these things and begin to talk. But the Bible says Adam found nothing for him. Now, I, I, I begin to think about this and and I heard a man uh, uh, tell this aspect of, uh, uh, of the scripture, and I, I'm going to follow in, 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 in just kind of as a revelation unto me. that, and, and the Bible says that Adam began to desire that he was lonely. He needed a companion. He needed something. He didn't know what he needed because he has never seen a woman before. But he didn't know what he needed. But he just found, he, he, didn't, he didn't think that a, the bird kind of fit his, what he liked. He didn't have a, a desire to uh, uh, to really have a companion with a with a with a turtle. He liked a turtle, named a turtle, but walking with a turtle, talking to a turtle, really didn't suit his fancy. But because because Adam never asked God for a woman, God knew his desire that he desired a woman because he came from God. And God's greatest desire was to have a companion. God's greatest desire was to have a bride. So he knew Adam's desire from the very beginning that he too was also going to want a bride. God allowed Adam to fall asleep. And without Adam knowing, he pulled a rib from him and made woman. The Bible says God made a woman. Woman means one who came out of man. So God made woman. He didn't create. The Bible says he fashioned a woman for the man. You say, how do, how, what's God's greatest desire? What's God's greatest wants? It's to have a bride. It's to have a companion that will return unto him. Because that is found in Genesis. Because God understood exactly what Adam wanted. He understood exactly what Adam needed. He understood exactly what Adam's longing was. He knew exactly what Adam's desire was before Adam even really knew exactly what he wanted. Adam could not ever come to, come to terms with, well, well, I don't know, really know what I want, but I just feel lonely. I feel sorrowful. I, I, I just I see all these things and all these animals, and we can talk, and I, I can ride on the back of a donkey, and, and I can go through and, and have a good time and all these things, but I still feel a little bit lonely inside. God, because Adam was created by God, God knew what would fulfill his desire. God began to make something out of Adam. Create and make and begin to fashion. Begin to fashion the woman out of man. So when we look at Adam and Eve, and we look at the creation process, and when we look at, at what God had wrought, and His creative and His making power, the ultimate desire of God, because it's right there in His creation, is that you return to the life source of who He is. 
He fashioned you to have a relationship. He fashioned you because he even gave Adam the desires that even though he did not even know what he wanted, God knew exactly what he needed. When our will aligns with his greatest desire, when our will says, I want nothing else than to walk with the Lord, when all I want, there's God, there's a lot of things in this world and it's left me lonely. It's left me just, uh, and this, this, this world is great and all the things that you've made is wonderful, but there's still an emptiness in my soul. There's still an emptiness in my heart. The Lord says, I know exactly what you're longing for because I created man to be my bride. You need me because you came out of me. God knows exactly what you need. God knows exactly what your thoughts are. God knows exactly what's going on in your heart. He knows exactly what's going on in that brain of yours. Why? Because you were created out of him. Out of him. Fine. We can try to make things and fashion things to make our lives better. We can try to take on a project to distract ourselves from living for God. We can try to be a part and make money. We can't create money or we wouldn't have a job, right? We have to make money. We, we have to make money to buy other earthly things to try to sustain ourselves, try to sustain our families, and we try to put a roof over our head, and we try to get a better job, or we pursue this and we pursue that to, to try to make things. But really, that's all for our carnal, fleshly self. But how many people will align with the true purpose that God has created us for, and that is to return unto Him our spirit that we may walk with him and be with him. Somebody say amen. Because Adam was made out of God, and the woman was made and came out of man. It all came from the creator, which is Jesus Christ. There is something beautiful that happens through the rest of Scripture, and I have referenced this before. That through most of Scripture, a, a, a very a, a phrase happens. A phrase is mentioned over and over through Ezekiel and Jeremiah, a lot in Jeremiah, Exodus, uh, and even in the New Testament. The Bible simply says, and even in the latter parts of, of the Old Testament, he says, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. It's a theme throughout all of Scripture. You see, God's saying, I, I want to be your God, and, and I want you to be my people. And he, and, and he goes on, and he speaks to the Gentiles. I believe in Ezekiel, he speaks to the Gentiles and says, I also want to be your God, and I want, I want you to be my people. So he's not talking to a certain class of people, not talking to a certain culture of people. He's saying, I don't care who you are. I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. Scripture speaks to that over and over that God throughout Scripture. He just wants to have a companion. He just wants to have a bride. He wants somebody to love him in return. He just wants somebody to touch him and say, Lord, I love you. So he can look back to you and say, you know what? I love you too. Lord, I worship you. Thank you. And I love you too. 
It's like a, it's like a, 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 a groom that, that has, has a wife and a home and all they want to do is just be together and be that honeymoon stage of, of, of appreciating and loving one another. And without any, uh, any, any uh, uh, things of distraction, they just want to be together. Somebody say amen. Nothing like somebody being filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time. They want to be together with the Lord. But life happens. Life begins to happen. And then our flesh gets in the way of that consecration with God. And over a period of time, we start leaning more towards the flesh than the spiritual things. And then we find ourselves so far away from God, but I'm so thankful that the Lord constantly calls and He constantly reaches out and He's constantly praying that your faith fail not and you will return back to Him. Beautiful thing. Find. Go back to Revelation. If with me, Revelations chapter number one. There's an incredible thing in this scripture that takes place that I didn't really see before until this morning. I begin to look at some scripture and I begin to understand a little bit more. And uh, is it okay if I keep learning about the scripture? I am not a know-it-all. Um, I do not at any place know everything about the scripture. But in this, I, I didn't really see this before, and I began to look at Scripture, and God began to forgive me for not really being boisterous in worship today because I believe the Lord was just kind of showing me some things in Scripture, and, and God was trying to, to, uh, to kind of order my steps here today. The Bible says in verse number 14, Revelations 1, his head and his hairs were like wool, were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. That's quite, a, that's quite a picture. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And then it says, his voice as the sound of many waters. Now I begin to look at this scripture here today, and I begin to look at the last portion of verse number 15. And his voice as the sound of many waters. This is an incredible verse because... It's it, it's it's a it's a showing forth of of something that's uh that's bigger than what I could even imagine. It's bigger than what I could even think. But in my feeble attempt to understand the scripture in the context for today, and and God will probably show me how, how much of an idiot I was about talking about this scripture today a year from now. He's like that was so lame. Let me show you something else about this scripture. And in the scripture, um, it, it, it simply says as a voice. As the sound of many waters. It's an incredible thing to think about. The Bible teaches us that in that word voice is a singular connotation. It's a singular enunciation. In other words, it's a coming out of one vessel. A voice, a, a, a pitch of some sort that's that's coming out. It's a it's a uh, it's a I don't know, it's a noun that, that speaks, but it's also a verb that speaks that something is coming out of one fixture. The Bible says, it says that there was a voice as a sound of many waters. And when I was this past week in a, at NAYC and I, I began to think about what was happening, I just began to, 
I would, I was, at times I would just kind of stop, wa- stop worshiping and stop being engaged in what the speaker and I would begin to look around at the masses. Begin to look around at people worshiping God. Begin to look around about all these voices reaching out to God and all these voices that began to worship God and to thank God. And, and it was amazing but when, the, when the Holy Ghost began to move and people began to worship God and, and people began to cry out to God and they encouraged the, everybody to begin to, if you had the Holy Ghost or if you, you didn't have the Holy Ghost, seek for the Holy Ghost and, 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 and begin to worship God in, in that heavenly language. And I felt like I heard it for the very first time, a voice, a singular voice of many waters. Hey, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm here to tell you, when we begin to speak in other tongues, as God gives us, it is many people, but it's one voice. In the upper room, they all came in one mind, in one accord, in one place. There was one voice of many waters. I'm here to tell you today, God wants to fill this place with his presence. And he wants his bride to come back to him in such a fashion that his voice will sound like many waters. Voice of many people, voice of many waters. Waters, the earth, the earth that was started to make other things. The Bible says that fish came out of the water. And when a fish dies, it goes back to the water and goes back to the depths of the sea. And when we die, our flesh dies, it goes back to the earth. But when God begins to have his people and their greatest desire and their will becomes surrendered to God's great purpose and God's great desire for us here today, something's going to happen when we align our will with his desire. And when our will surrenders to his desire, that marriage supper of the Lamb, if you will, and that precious time of talking with the Lord, that heavenly language will begin to sound like a voice of many waters. My desire needs to be God's desire. My will needs to be God's will. My will needs to surrender to God's greatest desire. And God's greatest desire, it is planted in me, is to surrender my will and let my desire and my will to align with him. And when my worship and my love aligns with the love of Jesus Christ, and when my pursuit and my longing and my desires and my heart and my mind line up with Jesus and line up with his purpose and line up with his desire, I'm here to tell you today, there will be a voice that will fill this place, a voice that will fill our home, and it will sound like a triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, is I can feel it in this place right now. Never thought I could feel the tug of the flesh and the spirit when I preach, but I feel it all the time. I feel that we're, I'll just be plain with you, there are people in here that are tired, and you know you probably should worship, but you're not going to. Can I just be real? Then there are some that know you really want to, but you're going to hold back because of, of one thing or another. Probably because that I don't want to worship because of so-and-so. I don't want to worship because of that. I don't want to worship because of what they did. 
I don't want to worship with what the situation is. I don't want to worship because then if I do give it myself, then I know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I'll feel compelled to have to change this, and I'll have to be the leader here, and I'm going to have to submit here, and I'm going to have to love differently. I'm going to have to act differently. But here's let me tell you about the grace and the mercy of God. You don't have to do those things on your own. You have the grace or the strength of God to give you the ability to achieve the things of God. That's what God's grace is about. I, I am no stranger to those feelings as well. I can feel as though that today let's just mail it in. Let's just show up and go through the motions. Let's show up and say because I have this to do and that to do and I get a schedule to keep and we got to go to the grocery store. And we got things to do and you know, I want to try this new restaurant, and we want to go here. And for my wife and I, we're going to go pick up our dog because we missed the deadline yesterday's in the kennel. And, and uh, I was frustrated. It's going to cost me another $60 because there's going to be another day. In fact, more than that, i got two dogs now. God help me. It's going to cost me more because we missed. I thought they closed at 6, and I get there at 445. They closed at 4. I'm like, oh, snap. I'm like, Griffin, ugly will be here. My wife said we should go by the kennel, walk by, just holler at him. We will be there tomorrow. I said, no, that'll make it worse. I just was too tired to walk. But I know, I don't know where I got off on all that. I went in my notes. I just wonder how, how it is we get so distracted by so many things. It keeps us from aligning ourselves with God. find in the book of Acts, I don't know if I've shared this, but God really dealt with me about this. Go to Acts chapter number 1. I, I, I'm on borrowed time. I told you I'd close quickly. But our Acts chapter number 1, I shared this with our ministry team. And I, I feel that God just keeps bringing me back to this and back to this and back to this. God, help me. It's not only something for our church, but it's for us personally in our walk with him. Acts chapter number 1, we find in verse number 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And this is the promise in verse number 8. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. How many like to be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the othermost part of the earth? And he's talking about Luke's right. And he, is, he said, we're going to receive power, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And, and, uh, uh, and I don't have time to get on the other subject, but I, Luke begins to talk about this, and this is going to happen. Then all of a sudden, Acts chapter 1 changes course. All right? We got the promise, and we get so excited about the first few verses of Acts chapter number 1. Bible, verse number 14 says, They all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with women and Mary, and mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. All right, we're getting a crowd. Everybody say they got a crowd. All right. Let's keep going. And then the other scriptures again. And in verse number 20 it says, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, 
Being from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And then they appointed two. They had a business meeting while they were waiting for the promise. I say business meeting. We're going to call this service to order right now. We're going to have a chair. We're going to have all this stuff. What they did, they were prayed. Without, they prayed and they sought God. And then all of us said, all right, y'all, we need to stop praying for a moment. we got to do something. We're all in one mind and we're all getting in one accord, but we're not quite there yet. Everybody say we're not there yet. Before the voice of many waters, we got something we got to iron out. The Bible goes on to say, and they appointed two. Somebody say two. Joseph called Barsabas, uh, 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 I think I said that wrong, who's, uh, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed, everybody say they prayed. Isn't it nice they prayed before a business meeting and said, Thou Lord, which thou knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that, that he may part, take part of his ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And verse number 26, and they gave forth their lots. They voted. I tell you, the Holy Ghost can move when you vote. They prayed, and God began to minister to them, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. They had a business meeting. In other words, the Bible says, and they, they, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell unto Matthias and was numbered with the 11 apostles. They had a business meeting before Acts chapter number 2 took place. What are you saying? What happened in Acts 1 needed to take place before Acts chapter number 2 could take place. Why? Because they needed to get their house in order. They needed to get aligned. They needed to get the place that God established 12 disciples. God established the apostles. God established all these things, and one had fallen by the wayside. So in order for the Holy Ghost to really fall out in that place, they had to go back when Jesus designed 12. He said, 12 of us, we need to have, we need to fill Judas's gap. So they got them placed in order. They aligned themselves with the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and when they aligned themselves, with Jesus. And chapter number 2, verse number 1, it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I'm telling you today, when we get aligned with Jesus, and we get aligned with his doctrine, and we get aligned with his word, and we get aligned with his will, then the Holy Ghost, the voice of many waters, can be ministered unto us. This whole year, I felt like God is challenging me to get our house in order, to get people in the right place, doing the right thing. Because I don't know about you, but I want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this place in a mighty way. And if we're not biblically correct, we need to get biblically correct. If you're walking away from God, you need to get aligned with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you will die a certain death of flesh and of spirit if you are not your desire. And your will does not line up with God's desire. I would love... And I believe the Acts chapter number two can happen in this place. That there will be a service. That there will be a sound of a voice of many waters. 
and that everybody that walks into this place will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That every voice will be calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that everyone will be in one mind, in one accord, and beginning to speak in other tongues. And then it will be noised abroad in this community, saying, where are they getting together? Because I have understood something, that there is a voice, a singular voice, speaking to many. And I hear the voice of a king. That will only, see many of us, our faith is being tested right now and because you have limited faith. We heard a message on Friday night that will change my life. He says, we, uh, God, the devil doesn't mind if you believe as long as the devil can set your limits on your belief. And my God, I have put limits on my belief because I believe God can heal cancer. God can heal a flu. But God, we don't think God can, can heal things we don't understand. Sometimes we'll pray and believe God can bring a, and that's why I love what Anastasia said. It's so easy to pray for the sick. Bible says they will recover. But that when it comes to a family member that has darkened the doors of this world and they have gone down a road, sometimes it's hard for our faith to understand how God is going to reach them and bring them back to him. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to take the limits off our faith and say, God, you can do the unthinkable. You can do the unsearchable. You can create new things. Things. You can make new things in this life. The Bible says greater works than these thou you shall do. In other words, I'm going to give unto you and give you the ability, if you will, through the presence of my spirit, that you will walk through these halls and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In other words, he will give unto you, make you walk in life. But it can only be done when his desire aligns with our will and our desires. Our greatest desire needs to be his greatest desire. Somebody say amen. I said our desire should be his greatest desire. And his greatest desire should be our greatest desire. So many times we get up and we get so wrapped up into the world. We got to think about job. We got to think about the kids. We got to think about this. But you know what? All those things are great and are needed. But my greatest desire should not be a paycheck. My greatest desire is to make sure my soul is right for eternity. Let's stand together right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Here's what's going to happen. And I, I felt a taste of it this past week. I would say I wouldn't say 100% because I know some people were carnal and just there for the show in AYC. People there just, you know, can I just, can I just be funny for a second? Please don't take this in any way. But we, I was dropping the young people off every day at the thing and, and all the stuff. And we were going back and forth. And these buses. And, you know, we got there. My wife and I got there at 530 when the doors opened. And at just one entrance, there was at least 5,000 people waiting to get in. It was crazy. It was just a madhouse. I mean, it was, it was exciting. People, kids were out there singing and all this stuff. But I was watching young people and people, and I, forgive me for saying this work, this work, peacocking all the way to the you know, 
girls with their three-inch heels, you know, looking good, you know, making their hair was just right, and, and the suits. My wife took a picture of a, of a guy in a purple suit, and I saw an, another girl, uh, she was wearing an all-gold sequence. I'm like, what in the world? I, maybe she was hoping the spotlight hit her just right and just blind everybody. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. But I watched all these people kind of walk in there. Not all of them, but, you know, there's just a few. And then when I walked and went back to pick everybody up afterwards, all those same people had their shoes off. Oh, God. It was normal like, will somebody please pull up the van? Can you please pull up closer? I just want to ride. It's so funny how we get wrapped up in the senseless things of life. I, I didn't dress to please you. I dressed because this is the only jacket I had clean because we didn't have any laundry soap when we got home last night to really wash everything. Mike, you know what I'm talking about. He left all of his dress clothes there at the hotel, and so he had to scrounge around for the last pair of pants that he had to, to wear this. And, and I, I, I asked my wife, I said, does this look okay? And she said, yeah. I walked back out and said, I'm good. I, I don't, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to impress. I, I really don't care. The only thing I'm here to do is to love Jesus. Make sure I'm aligned with Him. I don't care. I don't care if I match. I don't really, well, maybe a little bit. I don't want to be a distraction. I, sometimes we Stop worshiping the Lord because we don't look, we don't want to look odd. Who cares? I'm aligning myself with the Lord. If it takes bowing my knee and crying before the Lord, let it be so. If it takes me raising my hands and worshiping Him with the loudest voice I can, let it be so. If it takes me running the aisles, if it takes me falling to my knees at my chair, if, it, if, it, if it's caused me to lay on the floor, if it says that it, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as I get aligned with God, it's all that matters. When we get aligned with God, it tests the limits of our flesh desires. It tests the limits of what our flesh will do. Because let me tell you today, God, you will not be aligned with God if you stay within the limits of your fleshly desires. I feel like the Lord just shared that with me. Let me just say that again if I can. God, you are not aligned with God if you are always stopping short of your fleshly desires and limits. If your flesh says, now hold on, don't go down that road, and you say, well, I'm aligned with God. No, you're not. Because the Bible says I need to die out to my flesh. Push that thing aside. And say, God, not my will, not my fleshly will, but thy will be done. The Holy Ghost, sometimes we think, and it is a miracle from God for us to receive the Holy Ghost. It's an incredible thing. The Holy Ghost is not a something that God says, I'm going to create something in you to receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says He gives you the ability. It's already God's desire for that to be a part of you. But He gives you the ability. The Bible says they speak in tongues, uh, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, as God would give them the ability, if you 
It's the, it's the creative part of God that says, I have created a human being. I've created him Adam and Eve. And now I'm going to make my creation channel himself and get to a place where he's aligned with my spirit and that my spirit that I have created begin to come out and form out of his uh, carnal body, if you will, or his flesh. So that's why when the Holy Ghost begins to move in our life, it only happens when our flesh and that spirit is aligned correctly. It's aligned correctly. I'm going to deal with something real quick, and I feel like this is something that uh, maybe I need to teach on, but I feel that God that, that it needs to help us right now. Some may not be able to feel God forgive you because you have not forgiven. Some of you are holding grudges, and you can't forgive. So guess what? God can't forgive you. And I don't say that harshly. I say that lovingly. So but sometimes I had people say, how do I forgive? How do I forgive somebody for wronging me? Well, the first thing that I think that we need to do is tell God that very thing. That God, I don't know how to forgive. Help me to forgive. Help me to forgive. I, I Give me the grace. Give me the strength to forgive because I want you to be able to forgive me. So much of our joy and so much of our life is hung up in the lack of forgiveness. The devil robs our lives of joy. I've seen people's moods completely change when somebody walks in the room. The love of God just like goes and all of a sudden that person I can't be this person I don't want to be this person and all of a sudden you are your your joy has gone forever or gone out of that moment and then we put joy back on when that person or that situation and I'm not necessarily talking about in this place but I, what I'm saying is you know what I'm talking about our attitude changes our our mannerisms change and because we can't we can't confront the very thing that we want to hate but I'm here to tell you today, we need to ask God to forgive us for a lack of forgiving. And we're going to do that right now. Now, I'm going to feel like some people in this room don't want to do that. But I'm coming against that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all need to forgive. Somebody say amen. This is part of aligning ourselves with God. Some of y'all walked in here with anger at your spouse. And I know what that feels like. But my wife and I don't get, we don't, you know what, we don't get along all the time. There are moments that we don't get along. And guess when the devil attacks the most is on Sunday morning. Because if he can get the pastor and the pastor's wife to be distracted, I'm going to walk into this entry and I'm going to walk in that entry. You drop me off. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We're driving separately today. Y'all laughing because you know it's true. Son or daughter acts up and all of a sudden the whole house is upside down. We need to be quick to forgive. Quick to love. Because there are going to be people that walk in these doors that need forgiving. And if we don't have the spirit of forgiveness...
learned the principle of saying, God, I don't know how to forgive. Please help me. Show me. Give me the ability. Give something to me out of your grace, out of your presence, that I can forgive. And God will always be faithful to help when you sincerely ask. Because you really want to align yourself. What I'm afraid is there's going to be, can I be really plain? There's going to be a lot of apostolic, Pentecostal Christian people not make it to heaven because they're holding on to not forgiving somebody. Oh, but I shouted. Oh, but I sang. Oh, but I attended. Oh, but I did this. And I I fed the homeless. I, I did this. And I was a part of this. I don't care what you did. If you're holding on to something, you need to let go. You need to align yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ today and let that voice return of many waters into your life. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.